We made an oath. S swear? If it isn't dead, if it ever comes back, we'll come back to it. We didn't stop it. Pennywise. The clown. <laughs> For 27 years, I dreamt of you. I craved you. You're listening to Geek Media Cool, your weekly podcast for all things geek and pop culture. What's up, geeks? I am Mike, and this is issue number 124 of the Geek Media Core podcast, where this week we are talking Emmy voters going crazy, killer clowns, and another long-running franchise making a huge shakeup. But we begin by saying hello to maybe the only man in America who has not used the old age filter on FaceApp yet. What's up, Danny? You'll float too, Mike. So you, are, you, are you like, have you done the old age app and you just haven't showed it? Or? No, I am smart enough to know that I don't need someone controlling my face data, so. Oh, okay, all right, you just, more that like Russian collusion thing. I got you, all right, I, I heard I about mean, I, for what I do for a living, I'm, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I know my phone listens to me, but I don't need someone like owning my face or anything like that. And have it show up like as a Twitter bot in like fucking three months or something. Hey, cool. Uh, this is this, If this is the face that you want to put out there, I mean, <laughs> go for it. It's probably not going to do much for you at all, but um uh, we got lots to talk about this week. Obviously, uh, you know, there's a new trailer for a, a movie that I think we're both pretty excited for. Uh, there's a new trailer for a movie that I think actually kind of shocked me. We got uh, Comic Con has begun, but you know, it's mostly like the TV stuff right now, which we're obviously interested in. But uh, outside of, I think the new Terminator movie that we care so much about, we're not even we don't even have it on our list of topics here. I think that's about the only thing really that kind of happened today, as far as I know. But uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what we are hoping to see this weekend at Comic-Con as well as anything. But we begin with the early Hail to the King segment this week because we got the second or I'm sorry, the oh, final trailer. We're skipping over the bench stuff. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm so bad about this. I'm so bad about I'm, I'm all out of sorts. You know, life keeps changing and it just I'm all off all off my schedule. Before we begin, Danny, is there anything that you watch, read, played or listen to that you want to talk about before we get going? Yeah. So I, I have started binging The Wire. Uh, I'm about halfway through season one. It's fine. I'm not like the world's not like lit on fire for me yet. Right. I, I agree. Uh, I do want to take I do want to take a moment because I am a big fan of The 100. It is well documented on this podcast how much I love The 100. How much you have gotten into The 100. How much we've gotten other people into The 100. They had probably, in my estimation one of the best, if not the best episode of, of the 100 uh, this past week. Really? First of all, the season has been phenomenal. Like I, the seasons can dip in quality. It happens to every show. This season has been really strong. Uh, the, the themes that they have, that they have gone through this season, uh, you know, as far as, you know, legacy and 
morality and mortality are, are really phenomenal, really well done. A lot of characters have gotten a lot of shine this season, but this the past two episodes have been really good. The past episode, I mean, again, Eliza Taylor cannot say enough about her this season. Uh, she is fantastic. Bob Morley, they brought the goods this, uh, this uh, episode and it really is, it really reaffirms why I love the 100. And why- oh, I'm excited to hear this because you know I like to wait till it's done and binge yeah. it because this show is perfect for binging. I don't know how you do it week yeah. to week. I think back to how did I ever used to do 24 week to week because that made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> that was I feel like that was the show that began binging television. It should have been a binge. That would have been the perfect like bingeable show. Uh, but yeah, no, this season has been just out of its mind good and the last two episodes and this week especially is just really highlighted. So it's, it's heading on a, on a good track and I, I'm already glad that they've given it a seventh season. Uh, that is very encouraging as I will get to it. I do want to touch on what you said about the wire though. Here's my take on the wire. Uh, first season was good. I didn't see why everyone acted like it was the greatest. I mean, you always hear it put with like breaking bad and game of Thrones. Sorry. Uh, you know, it's like greatest <laughs> shows ever, and I'm just like, am I missing something? Season two is one of the biggest slogs I have ever forced through in my life. It is so slow and so boring. And I know that's a lot of people, unpopular opinion here, that's a lot of people are going to tell me, oh, you just don't get it. And I mean, no, I I appreciate things like The Godfather that are, you know, 100% dialogue almost. It, It isn't that I have to have action or something. It was just, it focused on characters I thought were horrendously boring and to the point where I didn't even watch the rest of the series. And I know that apparently three through four, three and four is supposed to be like the best series of television ever. And I haven't even watched them. So I have to, I'll have to see what you think as, as you get along with there. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I have started two shows this week, one with my wife and one without my wife. Uh, with my wife is Yellowstone. Uh, I saw my timeline talking about the show a ton. And I was like, I have never heard of this. What is this? Uh, basically it's sons of anarchy, but, uh, the cowboy version and it has Kevin Costner in it. That's all you need to know. So yeah, it's very, very good. We're about four episodes in. We're kind of slow rolling it because the current season's going on. We want to let it finish. Uh, so we can watch that season, you know, right after we finish season one. And the other one is called the last kingdom, which if you follow my Twitter at all, you've probably seen me talking about the last few days. Danny, you are one of those people who were really disappointed with the end of Game of Thrones, and you feel like you didn't get that scratch itch that you needed uh, mm-hmm. with the last Game of Thrones. Last Kingdom is right up your alley. But, I mean, I'm not going to tell you that because I know I told you that about Vikings, and you didn't watch Vikings. Uh, I, this is very, very much you can tell that they're leaning into trying to get Game of Thrones fans because I was watching the finale of the first season. It's like eight, eight episodes a season, so it's not that big of a deal. There's only three of them. They're on Netflix. And I actually like jumped up in my chair like three times during the finale last night. It has some of the best twists and turns I've seen in, in a period piece show like that. So uh, check that one out for sure. But I don't think you have, do you have any streaming services anymore? Or do you cancel them all? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have access to Hulu for free, but I haven't activated it, but yeah, no, I don't have Netflix and um, I probably won't get anything until Disney plus. All right. Well, I'm not going to recommend anything to you, but I recommend you guys check out Last Kingdom, especially if you are one of those. that's like I need something to, you know, I mean, Game of Thrones hangover. I mean, I'm not the only one to cancel their Netflix in the past quarter. They're they're. Uh, I saw call did not go well. They're down by like 12 million subscribers. They fell well, well short of their growth goal. Um, scary times for Netflix, especially as they continue to lose some of the bigger series on. Uh, 
platform. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see. You know, I don't want to get into like business class here, guys, but basically, even if uh, even if they come out the winner of the streaming war, uh, if you have stock in them, I'd probably sell it now because it's going to be volatile for a while until this this all settles out. So that's my suggestion there. There's my there's my tip of the day. I sell your stocks on Netflix. Uh, I wouldn't say jump on Disney Plus because I'm sure their their shares are pretty expensive right now. Now that I've completely bored all of you with business school talk, let's get to what we're here to talk about, and that is Stephen King's It Chapter Two. I like right off the bat, Danny. We got teaser trailer, final trailer. This isn't trailer number two with trailer number three coming a week before the movie. Final trailer, and I'll say up front, I don't think this gave away anything as far as as someone who's read it knows what's coming. It didn't give up anything, but to someone like you, who is just the movie, do you feel like this trailer gave up anything? I mean, there's a lot of cuts, but I, I, I almost wish they had not. Again, I wish they had not shown Pennywise anything. Like, don't show me him. Like, that's that's the big part of the the fear and horror aspect is him. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him like maybe a flash of his eyes or something, but like I, I did feel like there was a little bit too much of him. And for me, I'm like, uh, I could use it like 80% less of him in the trailer. Um, but again, I'm a person that doesn't need the trailer at all because I'm, I'm already there. I want to see it. Great to see the entire cast. Uh, I didn't recognize Isaiah Mustafa at all. I, I, no, that's I was incredible. Like, when I first saw that, I was like, did they recast that or something? That doesn't look like the old spice guy. It's just yeah. real look for him. Great, great look for him, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a great movie. They're making it seem like a, a, an event, and this is something that you know I think is going to do really, really well at the box office, which sorely needs another big hit. Uh, I did like a, a full breakdown of this on the channel, so look for that. I'm not going to get into all the details of everything that happened in this. Just know I'm very happy. I feel like there is some stuff from the book that they kind of shied away from. In in part one, in chapter one, I guess. Are we calling it chapter one now? Or is it just still just just it? And this is just yeah, it chapter, chapter one. I'm gonna go ahead and call it chapter one. Okay. Uh, there's some stuff that I felt like they kind of shied away from, and it's probably budgetary reasons. And it could seem kind of convoluted. Maybe now they feel like, okay, we've got people here, regardless of how crazy this gets. The book gets crazy, and it looks like that they're not shying away from, let's just say, the more cosmic part of uh, the King multiverse. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super beyond stoked. I think probably the coolest part of the trailer, which really helped me lean into how I think they got these castings, right. Was when they did the transition from the young to old for each actor, every one of them, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. So yeah. I was about to say that the only one that like the only one that I'm just like, I'm not sold on is um, Jay Ryan, Jeremy Ray Taylor as young and old Ben, like for whatever reason, like I just don't see, I don't see the same character. Um, and it's not because one's fat and one's skinny. It's just, I, I I don't think they resemble each other in any way, but maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just the trailer. Everyone else, you, like you can see it instantly. You're like, holy crap. They really cast this out really, really well. The minor, minor spoiler in the book. Uh, yeah. It, it's like that where Ben is like unrecognizable because he's okay. basically been the most successful of them uh, in his business life. And he's like super skinny now. So yeah. it, it, I get it, but uh, yeah, yeah, I can see how that's intentional. Great, but yeah, everyone else though, you could like it wasn't even like, like a stretch. It was like, oh yeah, no, this person would grow into this person. I mean, just like the the teaser trailer. I, I mean, this opens with something that is a very iconic scene from the book. So I'm just, I am just, 
you know, hair standing up in the arms, excited. I mean, it just, it, I said, I feel like my big complaint about uh, modern horror is how everything gets sold to me as scary. And then you see it and it's not really scary, but I've talked about the whole uncomfortable, scary, the psychological horror. And I definitely feel like this got it. Plus people are already scared of clowns. So I think this has a chance of scaring some actual adults. <laughs> so, uh, But yeah, I, I agree with you a little bit that they probably showed them a little too much, like showing the big dog tongue. I thought that was an interesting yeah, like in that whole that whole glass hallway glass macing, I feel like it would have been more effective if I don't see him. Like if you see exactly what they're terrified of or what that what flips that that kid from like okay to like oh no get me out of here get me out of here now like that's leave it unseen because the unseen that that's gonna get me that's gonna make me like dread that scene when I'm sitting there in the theater like clutching my bag of M Ms and like. Well, like the beginning part where uh, the guy's drowning and you just see like his, his lit up eyes, the dead lights that I, I think that, that that probably would have been enough. But there at the end when he's like out of the makeup and he's just like, that was freaking terrifying, man. So yeah, I'm excited, yeah. excited as hell about this. I need something to wash out the horrible shit taste that pet cemetery left in my mouth. I'm hoping this is going to be it, man. I think mm. so. It looks great. Like I said, they, they are making it feel like a big deal. And it's, it's, I think right now they're long distance tracking. I mean, it's still what seven weeks away, so it's really long distance tracking. And it's at one hundred and thirty million dollar opening, which is insane for a horror movie, guys. Uh, yeah, I know you, we're we're in a world now where Marvel movies has got everybody thinking everything's got to make like two hundred million on opening weekend. Uh, right now, it's angling for one thirty, and my guess is if it has really positive reviews, it's going over that easily. I mean, the last one I think did like one eighty, didn't it? So. Uh, yeah, it's. I don't know if they can catch lightning in a bottle quite like they did last time, but I definitely think that this is going to probably. I mean, if it ends up being really good, it'll probably beat last ones. I mean, I not. I don't think I'm going to see a horror movie break one billion at the box office, but I think no. it'll do. It'll, it'll probably do a little better. better. I definitely think it'll do better. It's exciting times, man. Like I said, guy right here doing this show with me. No interest in horror whatsoever. And he's going to see it probably opening. That might be the first horror movie we ever do a, a special for. I'm so just lit. For what Unless it's bad. bad. If it's bad, then no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of bad, buddy, the uh, the first reviews for The Lion King, Disney's Lion King, are out. And I was kind of deflated because, you know, that everybody might know this. They might not. Uh, Lion King is my favorite Disney animated feature of all time. Anything over any of the Pixar movies or anything, Lion King is just one of my favorite movies of all time. So I was still really Coco, right? Over what? You've seen Coco, right? Like Coco exists in the world. It's, it's yeah, but I saw it once and I forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> I do not remember. Uh, <laughs> no, all, all Pixar movies mostly are good, uh, Ratatouille aside. But uh, <laughs> I, I, love that, I love that adults got such hot takes about Pixar movies. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the reviews for this come out, and they all have basically said the same thing. It's absolutely a wonder to look at. It looks great. It just feels hollow. Uh, I've heard one person say that uh, it felt like you were watching a a nature channel documentary and they were just playing Lion King music with it. So basically just says that everything just feels hollow. It just feels like all the characters have like no soul, but you know, it looks amazing. Um, I'll just say what I read was enough for me to not pull the trigger to buy tickets and go see it this weekend. 
me and my kid just watched the 1994 one again the other night. And I was like, I'm good. Because what I hear is the whole time that you're watching it, you're going to wish you were watching the 1994 version while you're watching this. So that told me I can wait to wait to see this when it comes to home video. How about you? So I've read, I feel like I've read two different kinds of, of reviews. I feel like on one hand, I, if you read the review, that's like the story is the same. And because of that, you're going to wish you had the cute animated style of the 1994 movie. And you're going to feel like, why am I not watching the 1994 movie? As you just said, on the flip side of it, I've heard the art is amazing, but the story is the same. Why didn't they take a shot at like changing some things or making it a little different? Um, I will probably see it. I don't think I'm going to see it opening weekend, but I mean, I like the cast a lot and I think, you know, it's worth seeing on a bigger screen just with the impressive visuals. I'm of the mindset though, that you look back at all these Disney live action movies and you've got beauty and the beast where like the costume was crap, but they changed the story and they changed the story in the right way. Uh, again, Aladdin, the visuals crap, but they changed the story and people seem to actually like the changes in the story. And then the Lion King, the visuals are great and they didn't change the story. My biggest thing is I don't, I don't think Disney knows what they want these movies to be. Do they want them to be live action recreations of the animated versions that people love and hold dearly so much that they're going to judge them like, Oh, it doesn't look like this or it doesn't look like that as we're seeing with the little mermaid. Or do they want to update, take it, take advantage and update it into like, Hey, there are some things that are problematic about each of these movies just because they were made in a different time frame. Let's update and modernize the story, keep the same like core heart of the story, but let's just evolve it for like, Hey, it's 2019. And you know what? We kind of hinted that bell was, you know, a feminist, but let's really hammer it home and like actually do something with that instead of like kind of hint at it. So I think they need to pick, pick a lane and pick it. And just what's the, what's the point of these movies? Uh, Danny used the P word problematic, which we're going to get into. I think in a little while here, we started talking about James Bond. Um, listen, uh, I think, I feel like Lion King is, and I felt like I said this with Aladdin too. I feel like it held it such a high regard by the fans that they felt like they couldn't change anything. Um, apparently they added something, but they didn't change much. I I don't know. Look, uh, definitely the day it comes out in Blu-ray, I'll get it and watch it. I'm just, I'm just not going to pay, you know, 45 bucks for me and my kid and some popcorn to go see this movie on opening weekend. I think I can, I think I can wait for it, but the visuals look absolutely incredible. You know, that's what I wanted. That was my complaint about, uh, uh, by the way, and it doesn't matter because apparently everybody else says it's tracking for $150 million opening biggest of their live action remakes. Because it's Disney, because the cast is great. I mean, the the thing, the thing of the heart of the matter though is, what does Disney want these films to be? Is it is it just a recreation cash grab, or is it hey, let's advance the storytelling, let's take some chances with it? I like what they're doing with Mulan personally. I don't need a dragon. I don't need some of these songs. If you want to make it a war story, by all means, I'm in. Like that's intri- that's intriguing and that's interesting to me. Again, I don't have that emotional, heartfelt attachment to the animated Mulan. So again, who is the audience? Who are you appealing to? And these are questions for Disney executives to answer because if I answer them for them, I want a fat paycheck. All right. Well, here, here we go right here. You just kind of led into the next topic was that this is the third straight of these Disney remakes that have ended with a rotten review, uh, with a rotten score, rather. Uh, Dumbo, Aladdin, and now Lion King. 
And my question was, should they stop? But look, we just talked about how much money the Lion King's going to make. They ain't stopping. So, yeah, they've already got Little Mermaid. They're doing casting for that. They're already talking about Mulan. I mean, there's already a trailer for Mulan out there. Uh, yeah, they're, it's, they're not stopping until they do every single one of these. I mean, I'm at the point now where I feel like, hey, what movie came out like three years ago? They're going to do that. I figured they're going to do Brave eventually too, right? I mean, that, that's kind of newish. They better fucking do Brave because Brave is a really wonderful movie. What? I don't see that. <laughs> Scottish redheads, still a weakness. What, what, I say, what I will say about these movies is that, yes, they're going to keep doing them because they'll make money. Yes, I'm sure they will pump the brakes right now and really think about what they're doing with them after a third batch straight review because this is Disney. This is the House of Mouse. They're not used to that. They're not used to not being critical darlings. They're not, they're not used to box offices that don't hit the goals that they set out. They, will, they won't pull the car over, but they will rejigger with things. They will tinker with things. Uh, I think you will see eventually all of them because I'm sure they'd love to make sequels. And if not sequels, I'm sure they'd love to make like a live action Kingdom Hearts movie with all these characters. There are ways for these characters to keep living and making money and breathing. I mean, we've seen it with Maleficent. Like they're still making more of those movies, even though those weren't really well received. But Disney needs someone to, again, they need a Kevin Feige here who has the vision. Like this is what we're going to do with these movies. Um, And if you're going to release them all like, Every year, it seems uh, it'd be wise to find someone now as opposed to, oh, crap, Mulan bombed. Oh, crap, uh, Little Mermaid bombed. Oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. Uh, Because if two or three of these bomb more, like, then there's no point to it. You're just going to lose money. I think at this point, I'm more interested in that Disney Plus series of of, called Villains, where you can have like a Maleficent and and, and Darkness and all these all these famous Disney villains like get together and do evil stuff. Yeah, cool. Bring that, bring that on. I'm more interested in that. I never watched Maleficent. I don't know. It, it looked weird. So, I, I'm just, just give me a Kingdom Hearts movie. Like that would be cool as hell. Uh, what I want? I don't know. That's that's, that's a conversation for for another time. Uh, let's move away from Disney for five minutes here. Yes, there are. Let's talk about Marvel. No, no, we're not moving away from Disney. <laughs> uh, well, Danny, I mean. We were kind of like not sure what was going to happen. If you asked us if we were in charge, what we do, we said, hey, buddy, I want Thor 4 more Thor, right? And what are we getting? We're getting Thor 4 more Thor and Taika Watiti. Taika Watiti is returning to direct. So basically what I'm telling you guys is this is not Thor 4. This is Thor Ragnarok Part 2. And hell yes, take all of my money. But let him do some sit-ups or something. I don't need fat Thor. Come on. <laughs> I'll body shame until I die. I don't care. Give me. Give I love me. Thick Thor. I, I I love Thick Thor. I stand with Thick Thor. I mean, if there's a four in this, like, what are the odds the Fantastic Four make their appearance? Oh God, <laughs> that would be bananas. <laughs> as joking as that is, the more I think about it, Thor traveling the universe as he is right now, find, trying to find his place. If he came across some intergalactic adventurers who happen to be a family of four. And you put the Fantastic Four in Taiki Waititi's hands, I'm for it. Like Taiki Waititi's Fantastic Four to me is like holy shit, holy shit, holy right. shit. Right. I think that's why Fantastic Four hasn't worked on films. They try to make it so serious. And it's like I have some fun with Fantastic Four. I mean, it it should be fun. Like it's it should be different and weird and wild. I, I keep hearing period piece with the Fantastic Four. I don't really hope I hope not. 
I'm excited for Thor 4 more Thor because they have figured out the character. They have let Chris Hemsworth take some chances. He gets to be funny. He gets to be witty. He gets to be surprisingly emotional and deep. And, and it works. All the, all the aspects from Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame have worked for me as a character. I kind of like that the character is broken away from the comics and we don't know really what his role is or what his story is. Yeah, I'm for it. Uh, they they seem to have a really great handle on the character. I'm like, you know, Iron Man and Captain America, whose stories had kind of felt concluded and they had kind of said all they needed to say. There's so much to say about Thor and the idea that this god is traveling the universe trying to find his place in everything. That's kind of that's kind of a cool story. Like that alone has me ready to sit down and watch another movie because we need more Thor. You know what's nuts about this is what is two years later now with, with Thor uh, Ragnarok is the the arrow is still pointing up for me on that movie to the point that every time a new Marvel movie comes out and I adjust on Letterbox I adjust my rankings I think I move Thor Ragnarok like up another notch I think it's like number three now it might, it's 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 leaning towards number two honestly I think about how many times I've watched that I watched it at least as many times as I have the first Guardians and you know how much I love that movie so yes it's just insane it's insane so sure. Yeah, uh, get back to figuring out what you did with the character. Stop, drop, just completely ignore that character assassination that you did to him in Endgame and get him back to what he was in Thor Ragnarok and Infinity War. And hell yes, let's, let's, let's roll. Let's do it. Let's do it. I don't even need him in, 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 as Guardians of the Galaxy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. I would love that. Hell, just, love, just put him on both. Put him on both. Knowing that he is in Thor, there is a Thor 4, I would, at the very least, you're going to get some kind of line of like, oh yeah, we dropped off Thor at whatever this shitty planet is. Or you get like an extended cameo of like Thor being like, okay, this is my stop. Or you get Thor separated from the Guardian. I imagine we'll we'll see some bit of Thor in that story. Um, but he now doesn't have to be the focal point because he has Thor for more Thor. Or since you're talking about this is going to be the last Guardians with this group, perhaps one of them, like maybe a Rocket and Groot, decide to team up with Thor and go hang out and live with Thor and be in Thor for? Yeah, I mean... I would love to see them play Fortnite with Thor. <laughs> well, you know, now that the, the blip is done, maybe they'll actually have like people developing new games again. I think over that. So yeah, um, we'll get more into the Marvel phase four I'm stuff. Sure, Comic Con. I, I am sure we will hear a lot more about Thor four this weekend. That's yeah, the fact that they let that leak out before Comic Con means that there's bigger news than that. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, here's the funny thing about a trailer that came out today from Comic-Con, and that is the trailer for Top Gun Maverick. And here is the crazy thing about this. This may be an unpopular opinion to people who listen to this that are my age. Top Gun is a terrible movie. I don't care what you say. I don't care about nostalgia. I don't care about <laughs> Go back and watch it now. It is an awful, awful movie. It is awful. Most things from the 80s were. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Or was this 91? Am I I crashing the 90s? Oh, shoot. It was like 86 or something. This is old, man. 86, yes. This was before before me. Yes. Yes, it's typical millennial. If it happened before I was born, it doesn't count. Or it sucks. (laughs) However, I watched this trailer just kind of snickering at it. And holy crap, it looks amazing. (laughs) Because you know why? Because you got Tom Cruise in it, who's completely revitalized his career to a point where I think he's more popular now than he was before he jumped on the couch. Uh, but it's got him in it. So, you know, the stunts are going to be off the hook. He's already said that they aren't using CGI in this. These are all real, you know, fighter jets. 
And I'm not, I'm not convinced that it's not Tom Cruise flying some of these and doing these sonic booms and stuff. It, it looks wicked, man. I am actually very, very interested. And I did not think that was possible because it was a movie that I feel like people let their nostalgia glasses kind of, I mean, people talk more about the, the Joe Satriani theme or the, or the Berlin take me away song. And they talk about that being a good movie. It's just a bunch of I dudes with no shit on. All right. Highway <laughs> to the danger zone. Uh, the trailer didn't do much for me. Like, it seems like, a, at least from what the trailer shows, it seems like a pretty generic story to me. But it is Tom Cruise. And it is, again, because the the realism that they're going for here, because that's the only way Tom Cruise is going to do movies from now on. It looks great. It looks like, at the very, at the very least, it's going to be a solid action-adventure movie. Um I, I'm with you. I think Tom Cruise is actually flying some of these planes. There's no way you can convince me otherwise because this is a man who spent six months learning how to fly a helicopter so he could pull off a sequence in one movie. This whole movie's about airplanes. You don't think he went and learned how to fly an airplane? Well, he already got like a thousand hours, didn't he? So I guess he probably wasn't that much more to get certified to fly an F-16. So... Yeah, I, I think it's great. I, I'm happy for I'm, I'm I'm happy for Tom Cruise. I'm happy that his career seems to be back on track, and I'm excited for this. But I, you know, I'm glad it's I think it's done shooting, so he can go back and work on Mission Impossible. And uh, back to back. I like the story with this. It looks like they're basically going to be addressing that fighter pilots are on the way out because we're in drone warfare now and whatever, and it's going to address that. And I think that's. That's a really good place to go with it. I, I mean, I thought it was just going to be a, oh, we're going to do Goose's son or something just so just overdone at this point. But I, I think Creed is about the only one that's done that right of movies I've seen in the last 20 years. So I'm glad that seems like they're going a different route with it. So yeah. that's cool. And guys, go back and watch the original. Terrible, terrible movie. And then, awesome go back, and then go back and watch Mission Impossible because it's a great movie. I'm glad. I'm so glad you got on that franchise because it's so good. It's so good. The last one was so good. So so good. Ah, oh, so good. Uh here's guys where uh, the, the show might actually derail a little bit because I know. I I mean, we didn't even talk to each other, and I was like, Danny's gonna be fine with this. I'm just. I knew you wouldn't be. I knew you wouldn't. I knew you wouldn't. I mean, it's like this. It's like we're gonna talk about. We're talking about James Bond here, guys. Um. I know I'm going to get hit with all the usual things and you're scared of women and stuff like that. Dude, one of my favorite television shows of all time is about a lady spy. It's called Alias. It's an amazing show. Go watch it. I don't have problems with the ladies, you know, at all. That's just the dumbest thing, the dumbest attack I ever hear on any of this stuff. I just feel like if they were going to make this move, make her 006, make her 008. Don't retire James Bond to get someone else to play 007. I do not care. Look, I care more that she was in Captain Marvel and she was a terrible actress in that movie. I mean, she was so wooden in that movie that I thought George Washington was looking for his teeth. That's how wooden she was in that movie because she was really, really bad in it. So that's probably not who I would have cast. At this point, it's like, why didn't you guys just do Idris Elbow? That's what everybody wanted, apparently. <laughs> right? So I... I, 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 it, it's one of those things where I, I could just completely just bitch about it, but it's just the point now where when they do stuff like this to long-running franchises like Doctor Who, like Star Wars, I'm just, I'm just going to stop supporting it with my money. That's all. It's not. It's if it turns out really, really great, awesome. That's good. It's just this isn't what I was hoping the direction that James Bond would go in, and I kind of knew when Phoebe Waller Bridge took over and everything was that good old word that you like to use. Problematic was the word that I kept hearing over and over again that this was going to happen. I just. 
I've loved James Bond since I was a kid. It's been going for what, 60 something years. I feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So yeah, I have no interest in watching an emasculated James Bond. I I'm there to watch Bond save the girl, get with the girl and drink some booze. That's, that's, that's what I'm there for. So if you're, I mean, you're a bit, you're as big a James Bond fan as me, maybe bigger. So if you're okay with it, I mean, go for it. Tell me why this is awesome. Cause oh. I'm not quite to the point where Kyle is, but I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not paying to see this. No. So first, we'll start with Phoebe Waller Bridger again. One of the co-writers here for Bond 25, and I'm fine with it because she has, as far as recent, like what have you done for me lately? Stuff you look at Fleabag, which is getting tons of praise, and she's a writer, producer, creator on that. Uh, but I'm more familiar with Killing Eve. I've seen all of Killing Eve. It is really fantastically done. It's fantastically written. Uh, I think she's sharp. I think that she brings enough of a modern edge to writing a James Bond movie because the biggest thing with James Bond, as, especially as they've highlighted in the Daniel Craig era, is how do you balance that fine line between tradition and modernization? And, and that's been a big, big theme that's been prevalent throughout every Bond movie um, because there are things that you can't change and things that you have to honor, and there are things that frankly need to change. And, you know, especially if you're trying to compete with the mission impossibles of the world and keep people excited and on the edge of their seat, you got to update the franchise. You can't follow that same boiler template time and time again. That only works if you're Marvel because Marvel owns the world. Uh, As far as this goes, I'm not bothered and I'm not bothered because there is book precedent that these double O titles are just like the M title, just like the Q title. They are, they are always existent. I'm with you in the sense that why did they have to, like, they've never really explained why there is a 001, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Uh, my guess would be that they use numbers based on how many active agents there are because there aren't a lot of double O's roaming the world. I would imagine that the story will have Bond retire like he did at the end of Spectre, which means 007 is vacant and there's at least seven double O agents out there. I'm going to go ahead and take a wild shot that 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 fake that not fake 007, but the the new 007, she'll probably die early in the movie or she'll probably fuck up the mission. And that's why Bond comes back. Uh, They've said that Bond will be pulled out of retirement. I think that when that happens, the the Fuhrer will flip and he's going to be pissed that this was that this person was used as a as a prop. But who knows? Like, that's the thing. Who knows? For me, I'm not bothered because 007 isn't James Bond. James Bond is still James Bond is still James Bond. This is Daniel Craig's last hurrah. I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Craig dies in this movie. That would, again, that would be different. That would be shocking. It's never happened before, but Daniel Craig seems to want to take swings for the fences. Daniel Craig dying as James Bond would be that. And then you can reboot again and you can start all over and do whatever you want with the character. But I think right now it's a little early to say it, but for me, again, it goes back to the books. This isn't the first time. It's not the second time. It's not the third time. Tons of precedent for it. I'm fine with it because I, I love the character and I have I'm not been ashamed to say that I love the James Bond that Daniel Craig has done because it is different. And it is a damaged, broken James Bond who isn't perfect, who isn't ready with a quip all the time, who isn't spotless, you know, blood free and you know, I I expect that this one, especially since he's not coming back, they're not going to hold back at all with anything that they do to the character. 
Do you remember when, uh, God, what was his name? Timothy Dalton's ones came out and it almost killed the franchise for like six years. They didn't make a new bond. I feel like this has that potential. This feels like franchise killing potential just because a large uh, group of the built-in fan base is not thrilled about it. Uh, I feel like if I was good, if I said, I'm going to make this decision, you know what I would have done? I would have just made Minnie, Money Penny do this. I mean, she's basically not just been a little secretary in this version of James Bond. Mm-hmm. I would have just moved Money Penny into that spot. And I think people would have been more willing to accept it because there's, you know, 60 years of love for that character. So I think that would have been a better decision. Uh, the <laughs> to me, it's just, I was like, God, you told me that that girl who I thought made Brie Larson's acting look incredible in Captain Marvel was this. Oh, but yeah, whatever. I gave Brie, I gave uh, Idris Elba a nod for you guys. All right. That's the most positive I've been on Idris Elba this whole time about James Bond. <laughs> one of us, one of us. So, hey, cool. We'll see what happens. Uh, I do want to say the positive in that, though, is that Christoph Waltz is returning as Blofeld. I didn't really like Blofeld in the last movie. <laughs> uh, okay, it wasn't like it wasn't like it wasn't like my Blofeld, you know, the old one. But you know, he changed every movie or whatever. I thought that I was really excited about that casting when it happened because I mean, Christoph Waltz is excellent just about everything. But I would hope that now that they've got this convoluted origin story for him, because let's face it, that was convoluted as hell. Like. Oh, I am this guy, and we're kind of related, and I've been in the background for all your movie. No, you haven't. Like, now that we got all that trash out of the way, like, let him be gleefully evil as he tries to ruin James Bond's life. And, I, and, and let Vesper actually be alive so I can see more Eva Green. There, cool. No, I, her dying is such a big thing. It, it, I know. I know. I know. That scene, that scene in the shower is still one of my favorites. You know what else is a, is a, a such a big thing is James Bond being 007. That's such a big thing. So, uh... I mean, <laughs> is he? I mean, he is a man without a country now. I mean, I think that's. I mean, he's, he's going to be a, a movie without an audience. They ain't care. <laughs> I'll be there every day. Oh, You'll I know what you'll be there for. You'll be there every day to watch this year's Emmys because Game of Thrones got 32 Emmy nominations. A 32 record. A record. What did I tell you? It's going to get all these nominations based off of his achievement as a whole, not for season eight, but for his achievement as a whole. But even I didn't see this coming. You know the weirdest thing about this is apparently some of the actors that – uh, HBO did not submit for recognition. They did it themselves. And some of them got nominations. Gwendolyn Christie got a nomination by submitting herself. Good for Gwendolyn Christie because, I mean, Brianna Tarth had some had some great scenes. And, you know, there's one episode that's essentially her episode. And it's fantastic. And I am glad to see that she believed in her work enough that she submitted and she got herself nominated because she deserves it. The, you know, there, there are some actors who, and we talked about this, there are some actors who did deserve to be nominated. Uh, I think Peter Dinklage, I think we both agree, he he did amazing, wonderful things with what he was given, uh, and some of it was very, very thin. Um, I don't even know how to say the guy's name who plays Jamie Lannister, so I'm not going to say it, but there were some really great episodes with him. I'm not mad at that. I'm I'm upset because... Two reasons. First of all, this highlights why Emmy voting sucks and why it needs to be redone because HBO has a block of voters that are in the HBO camp because part of how you get to vote on this stuff is you've been nominated, you win. And because HBO is HBO, they have all these people under their umbrella and they can direct them on who to vote. And that's what they did. They all pointed them in the direction of 
vote for Game of Thrones. Don't vote for any other HBO property on your nominations. That's how HBO got 32 nominations, which is a single year record. It, it doesn't deserve. Frankly, it just doesn't deserve it. And the other part is that mo- some of these things that some of these things that got nominated are the fucking writers who dropped the ball. I'm sorry. If they win, this is a sham. This is, this is all a sham. Put asterisk next to the name. I don't even give a fuck. This is bullshit. There are so many people. That was hoping for. There are so many people that bust their ass. To, there it is. This was my problem with this is, is you're going to see someone like Bob Odenkirk, who's got nominated for Better Call Saul three times, and he's going to get passed over again so they can give it to someone from Game of Thrones. Bob Odenkirk deserves his fucking best actor in me, goddammit. <laughs> I mean, there, Bob Odenkirk deserves it. You can go on and on on the list of people who deserve it. They're going to get jipped from this. Things that like they might never get nominated again because Better Call Saul. Who knows when the next season comes out, or or other shows that are ending. And this is this is bullshit. It's bullshit by HBO to do this. It's bullshit that the Academy is letting this happen, and they they're not going to say a word about it. And you know, good for the Gwendolyn Christies of the world. Good for the Peter Dinklage's of the world who deserve it. But give me a break. Like these guys don't deserve it for writing. They don't deserve it for producing. The cinematography, fine, whatever, but this is bullshit. Like, every actor didn't need a nomination. Every actress didn't need a nomination. This is – when you start interfering with people's work and people's careers, because these do affect future careers, get out of here. Fuck out of here. HBO I, – I, I'm so excited that HBO dropped the ball, and they don't have another hit show on their hands right now because fuck HBO at this point. <laughs> I, this is exactly what I was hoping for. <laughs> I love it when Danny gets the most not, look, at the end of the day, it's just not fair. And when shit's not fair, I, I'm not gonna sit there and be like, oh, this is cool or this is cute or whatever. Like this is on the level with uh, Captain America saying Hill Hydra. You're angry. No, this is worse. This is worse to me because like everyone knows that HBO does not deserve it and they just rigged it. There are two Emmys that uh it could win that I would actually probably agree with cinematography and score. Other than that. And I'm not trying to. I know that people get mad. Like act the actors on the show get mad talking about. They know how much you know goes in went into making that stuff. But you know what? A lot of shows have a lot of people that put in a lot of work, and they're going to get passed over because it's going to be a, a celebration of the series as a whole. And I mean that's the way award shows have always been. No one thought Leo deserved to win his Oscar that he won the the movie that he won it for. You know, people talked about Tom Hardy in that movie more than him. It's just the way that award shows work. It's like lifetime achievement awards or something. And I wish they would just create a lifetime achievement award or a special achievement award or something like that instead of, you know, rewarding. Fuck it. Award shows are garbage, Danny. This is why I've been checked out on them for the last decade. I mean, this, I, I don't blame you because this highlights, this highlights the problem is that it's not voting on merit. It's not voting on this actor. At, and that's the other thing too, is like when you look at the Emmys, it's based on one episode because that's how you submit, you submit an episode. So something like Game of Thrones, which everyone in the world knows doesn't deserve it because the season's trash. You pick the right episode. You can, you can jiggy, you can rig it in your, in your favor. Um, I know I've I've seen um, Tia and she, she was not happy that the, you know, um, iZombie wasn't nominated. iZombie's biggest problem is that iZombie's brilliance is in the full season arc. It's not in an episode. So it's stuff like that where you 
where you hope that once this old generation of Academy stalwarts dies off, that people will actually be like, okay, cool. What can we do that honors that would make people watch and get people involved into the, these award shows? Because it's no secret that those ratings are declining every year and they need to do something to, to get people in and to make sure that people are watching. Let me give you a little timeline here. Uh, It was like Monday. They say Dan and Dave, Showrunners from HBO's Game of Thrones are going to be at the San Diego Comic-Con panel. This announcement about these awards comes out Tuesday. Negative flashback. Yesterday, Dan and Dave have dropped out of their appearance at San Diego Comic-Con. Are you shocked? I mean, even Zack Snyder showed up at Comic-Con. <laughs> Your Holocaust. I, I am not shocked, but damn, like this is the most... This is the biggest punk ass move that you could see. Is like, hey, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. Oh, what? It's that. That's tomorrow. Oh, you know what? Recital. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got. I left the. I left the oven on at home. I got. I got. I got to go back. I turn around. This face the critics, because guess what? Whether it's now, whether it's on the red carpet for a Star Wars event, whether it's on some TV critic thing where you're going around and doing some kind of talk, you're gonna have to face the public at some point, and the public. You think the North remembers? The public remembers. <laughs> See, now I'm, I'm sad Game of Thrones is over. If it's going to get this get this animated, I love it. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really cowardly move. I mean, look, I understand no one wants to go anywhere and just where they're just going to be treated like trash. I, I get that. I get that totally. I also think that people on the Internet are going to be way more cruel than people in person are going to be because people are big cowards. So I don't really think anybody would have really seriously messed with them. They wouldn't have got booed or anything like that. I mean, there would have been some, but I don't think it would have been like really, really bad. But to no, me, don't, 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 under, don't underestimate the Comic Con crowd. There would have been boos. It'd have been a smattering. I, I don't think it would have been like unanimous or something like that because uh, we, we all know that uh, Last Jedi was trash. You no, know, and in, in Star Wars Celebration, nobody was really booing this year. So I said what I told you on Twitter was that uh, yeah, they're just going to go ahead and skip this and go straight to Star Wars Celebration where criticism isn't allowed apparently. So and they screen all the questions first. So I, I can't wait for the first one. First question that asks, uh, yeah, we just want to ask them a casting question. Okay, go ahead and ask. Uh, are you going to hire any? Game of Thrones actors for your Star Wars movies? Or are you going to ruin those too? <laughs> that would that'd be what I do. Oh, guys, guys, this is crazy. I did not expect to see Danny get this lit up about it. Uh, let's talk it about is, something. Bullshit. It is bullshit. What do you want from me? It's bullshit. He's shaking the camera and stuff. Yeah. Um, let's talk about something that will get him real all happy and fuzzy. And that is uh, the CWTV DC. Is it DC TV? Is it CWTV? I don't even know what they call it. Anyway, the DC TV universe uh crisis on infinite earths um they talked about the teaser panel at comic-con this weekend is that crisis on infinite earths as you would expect since it's a crossover and if you've read comics at all or you like have a working brain you've even heard of crisis on infinite Infinite earths you know how big of a universe reset that basically was so they've said that this is going to have major effects on all series not just the flash season six so um we know that this is going to be arrow's last season uh, is it, I, I'm curious what you think because I'm I'm four or five years behind on all these shows, so I don't really know. But do you think this is going to like? Is it a chance they could just like completely be resetting the entire CW TV universe here? Everything's on the table, and I think I said that at the end of May when we were talking about this on the podcast. 
they recognize that Crisis on Infinite Earths is the OG crossover. It is the still too many. It is the crossover that people com- people in comics compare crossovers to. It's one of the best, it, and it and it's has stand stood the test of time for shit, at this point over forty years, 30, 40 years. So they the nice thing is that you see all these interviews, you see them treating it with the proper reverence. They're also opening up about it far earlier than they usually do when it comes to the crossover. Like we've been talking, they've been talking about this since May. Um, everyone's excited for it. Everyone understands the undertaking that is about to happen and not the undertaking from Arrow season one. So on that level, I'm, I'm happy. Like I don't even have to see a trailer and I, I know that they're going to do everything in their power to make this the best crossover event that they've had on the Arrowverse for the last seven years. As far as, um, do I think they'll use it to reset it? I, I think so. I think they'll use it to merge some of the Earths. I think they'll use it to kind of streamline. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if certain characters came back to life. It wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, if certain elements kind of changed. I mean, this is a great chance, especially for a show like The Flash, which is in season six, or, or even Legends of Tomorrow. It's a great chance to kind of, ease some of the continuity that's kind of happened with those shows and, and kind of streamline it a little bit. I mean, that's what the original crisis was used for. And I imagine they'll take advantage of that because now you're, I mean, even with arrow coming off the air, you still have four or five shows and there's still a lot of things that you need to do and undo. And so I'm excited for that. I'm excited for, I, I, I think I'd called it on the podcast. If not, I definitely called it on Twitter. I, I knew that arrow season eight would be the adventures of Ollie and the monitor traveling. They say to different places. I, they're being coy about, I think it's different multiverses, especially with some of the guest stars that they have announced, um, particularly uh, Malcolm, uh, not Malcolm Merlin, uh, Tommy, and, uh, you know, some of the other villains from the later seasons, uh, Prometheus being the one I'm supremely excited about because Josh Cigar is fucking brilliant on it whenever he gets a chance to, to act in the era. So I, I think that's fun. I think it lets people like, um, like they've said, it's going to let them go back and revisit some of the older seasons and tie things together a little bit nicely. And uh, it seems like this season of Arrow is essentially a large prequel for Crisis on Infinite Earth. So again, they're making it a big deal. It's going to be a huge deal. I can't wait for it. I think, I really genuinely think they're going to stick the landing on this and it's going to satisfy a lot of fans. I won't say every fan because there's always some idiot with a Twitter handle who won't be happy. Let me ask you this. I think everyone's assumed since this is the last season of Arrow that Oliver is going to take the original Barry Allen's uh, place in that in that story. What do you think the chances are they do something really insane, like kill off Grant Gustin's Barry Allen and make the Flash <laughs> Wally West show? I, I think it's on the table. I mean, there's nothing that can't that you can't consider. I, I know that they've talked about bringing in other DC actors and actresses and honoring the the shows of the past that's on the table. It wouldn't surprise me if Grant Gustin pieced out and they use this as, as the way to do it, because I mean, that's what happened in the original crisis, even though they have kind of changed the story a little bit and had Oliver willingly sacrifice himself or take that burden. It wouldn't surprise me. It, It really wouldn't. Um, I still hope not because I I really want this season of the flash to be red death. And I want it to be Oliver under the mask. 
that's another story for another time. Uh, I'm excited though. This this is going to be this is the most ambitious thing that they have done, and the like the Arrowverse is a whole ambitious, but this is by far the most ambitious thing. And uh, I, they always know the crossovers, and I, I don't think I don't see why I would doubt them now. I'm hoping it's mostly standalone, so someone like me who's majorly behind can just be like, you know what, this is a big deal. So I want to tune in just tonight just to see this. And if you guys really want to impress me. Give me some sharp cameo, like maybe, oh, I don't know, Green fucking Lantern? That would be pretty cool. There there are a lot of rumors because they've they've seeded it enough last season on both um, Arrow and The Flash that on Earth-90, John Diggle is actually Jon Stewart. He's a Green Lantern. John Diggle's stepdad in the main Arrowverse Earth, his last name is actually Stewart. Um, so they have seeded it enough that it – there's no way we can get through this without them giving us John Diggle in the suit. There's there's no way. I, I, I firmly believe that that will happen. That shit, that's what I got to deal with because, you know, Warner Brothers won't give me that. You know, they're still scared of Green Lantern or something. And, and I think that, though, like like we saw with Infinity War in, in Endgame, you could watch those standalone and you could get the story just fine. If you had seen all 20-something movies, you got the maximum value out of it. And I, and I think that's likely what they'll do for crisis on infinite earth you can watch it be fine with it but if you've seen everything you'll probably get the most out of it. is this all going to be like one night or is this going to be like monday tuesday thursday friday thing so this is a five-hour event that and again that's how you know they're really putting the heart- all the same night or is it over multiple nights so they're going to do it that the way they've split it out they will do the first i believe it's the first two hours in december then we will have a Christmas break, and then they will do the proceeding. The oh, report. that's a dagger! Jeez. So you know that you know that cliffhanger is going to be good. And if I'm going to throw out my guess on what that cliffhanger is, it's a certain anti-monitor coming out and emerging. Uh, that's bad. Uh, which would be. Yeah, I might wait till it's done now. I might wait till it's just done and just watch. I it can't like, fucking wait to see the anti the anti-monitor movie. Yeah, it'd be like a um, because the monitor looks so damn good. But uh, yeah, it's five hours, and that. Five hours of this story. That's amazing. You know what? FGL. Just put Kilowog in there. All right. <laughs> uh, along, uh, Disney Plus, The Mandalorian. Apparently, they are so satisfied with it. And I'll get to what I think the, the real deal is here. They're so satisfied with it. Uh, series, uh, season two is already in pre-production. They're writing it right now. Uh, like I, I talked about, I did a, a little video of like all these fantasy series are coming out. Which ones I think have a chance at success. Uh, the Witcher hasn't even come out yet, and they're already talking about uh, it, season two being a production. When you spend this much startup money on a show, it actually makes more sense to give it two seasons because of all the props, uh, all the set pieces, all the costuming, all the people that you paid probably for the you know, contract for usually like three years when you first start. Just like when everybody thought Game of Thrones was going to get canceled season one because you know everybody thought that Game of Thrones was just this big runaway success when it came out. Dude, it got it got like CW ratings when it first came out. It was like two hundred forty thousand people were watching Game of Thrones when it first came out. Uh, but it got a second season because when you do this much startup money, you're always going to get a second season. Do I think Mandalorian's got a chance at being good uh, more than I do Episode Nine? Yeah, definitely because you know you don't have to worry about course correcting or retconning anything. You don't have to worry about pleasing everybody in a two hour movie. You can do for the first time with a Star Wars thing, long form. You know, you can have an entire episode dedicated to like one character or something like that, and you can do something cool with it. I'm most excited about this because it's like a Rogue One where it takes place 
in that original trilogy era. It's supposed to be seven years after Return of the Jedi. Uh, it's John Favreau doing it. Um, regardless of how you feel about him playing Happy Hogan, <laughs> he's a pretty good director. Regardless of how you feel about what hap- what's going to end up happening with Lion King, he's usually a pretty competent director. I'm just I'm I've never seen him do Star Wars. I'm I'm, I'm hoping that he's a big enough nerd that he's doing this right. I. I don't know, man. Cautious optimism on this one, but I—I I mean, Disney. Dan's gonna get Disney Plus, so maybe he'll tell me if it's any good or not. Uh, I mean, it's it, again, it's Disney. Disney Plus. This is a, a launch series for them. I'm sure they—they they have really put, they've—they've they've put a lot behind it, as you said. I think the other thing that I—it's kind of brilliant—is that they can sit back and they can watch how Netflix has done business. They can watch how Hulu has done business. They've seen how Amazon Prime has done business. And they've seen how DC Universe has done business. And I, we've, we, as fans, have seen the outrage of how they treated Swamp Thing and the investment that went to Swamp Thing and then the weirdness of like, oh, yeah, now it's canceled and we're going to shorten its run and all that. I think, you know, for me, if I'm putting it on the tinfoil hat, part of announcing The Mandalorian for season two already is, hey, we're not going to just cut bait on these series. Like, you guys are going to get this. You're going to invest in us. And we're not just going to run one season and done things. We're going to run one season, two seasons, and we're going to commit to these series. That way it's not just a, a quick crash cash grab. I, I don't want to say it's an outright shot at DC because they don't need to take the shots at DC. And I can't believe I'm saying that. Like there's that's a sad shit, ain't it? Yeah. That's a younger version of me. That's like, that's what, uh, but this is definitely a flex on DC. Like you can't, you can't convince me otherwise. Um, especially after the outrage of Swamp Thing. Uh, here's what I hope for this. Um, obviously I hope it just sticks to steal from the EU guys, just steal from the EU, but do not make this Boba Fett's daughter or some shit like that. There are many other Mandalorians besides Boba Fett. Don't make this thing. Okay. Just do your own thing. You, you want to pilfer from the EU. There's plenty of material there. I'm for that. Just don't make this Boba Fett's daughter or something stupid like that. Please. And as for the one that Danny did not, will not watch, Stranger Things 3, uh, very, very good. Me and wife very much enjoyed it. We had a great time. The ending was a super, super punch to the feels. Uh, did not expect that uh, the way that it did. You know, Netflix doesn't release their actual viewing data or something like that, but they're claiming like uh, 11 billion, like watch this or something like that, which I understand. I, I don't know that there's very many people who have Netflix that weren't watching Stranger Things. Uh, so very unsurprisingly, it has been renewed for a season four at Netflix. Uh, I was on record saying I thought before I watched it that I thought this was going to be the last year with this cast. No spoilers, guys. There is some things that happen at the end that they could introduce new characters. Uh, they can move other characters off. So, I mean, that's all on the table. But with that ending, I'm pretty sure there are going to be some returning characters. It seems like they did put kind of a trap door there with um, David Harbour's character in case Hellboy ended up being like really big <laughs> to where he did not have to return. But uh, they left it open to where he can't return. So... Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I know that there's getting kind of mixed reviews from some people. Um, I still think the first season was the best, but I liked it better than season two, which I liked quite a bit. So uh, I know you're not into it, but you should be. It's a really, really great show. And uh, give me more. Give me more forever. The soundtrack this year was crazy cool. But, you know, it happened in the 80s, and Danny said that doesn't matter. <laughs> 
I, I tried and it just didn't it didn't it didn't click for me. All right, this is the briefest uh San Diego Comic Con preview ever. And that's because I think that it seems like so many people are just kind of staying home this year, you know. And, and but and the thing was it's like Warner Brothers said, you know, DC's not having a, a Hall H panel this year. So Marvel's like, shit, we'll do it. <laughs> so you want to talk about like dunking on them. Uh the rumor is that they are going to unleash what phase four is. I guess the slate, right? Uh, like, so we already heard about Thor four. So, I mean, I, my question was going to be, what are you most hoping to see at, at Comic-Con this year? But before that, let's, let's just talk about phase four here. I mean, we already know what the Eternals, Guardians three, Doctor Strange two. Did I say Shang-Chi? I don't even know there what that go. is. Shang-Chi, yeah. I don't even know what that Shang-Chi, is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the question that we've, me, you, and Fro have been talking about this for like four years. Before this podcast started, we talked about this that they were going to unleash Phase Four slate, and the four was going to be the Fantastic Four logo. I think that's caught on fire with everybody now. Everybody says this now. I mean, I don't see any. I mean, they've always you keep on hearing Feige being like, "We're not going to introduce X Men for a while." Blah 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 blah. He never says that about Fantastic Four. So I think it's almost a given with people that. If there isn't a Fantastic Four movie, they're going to be introduced in someone else's movie in this phase. And I think that they will actually announce that uh, Saturday. Uh, I would imagine that, I mean, everyone knows Black Widow is under production. I imagine you'll see some footage, whether it's Scarlett Johansson talking from the set or a brief stinger, haha, pun intended, of, of Black Widow. Um, I, so I imagine we'll see something there. I would not be surprised if the actor who was playing Shang-Chi is there because I know they had whittled it down to a few. And uh, it, I mean, this is, if you're trying to get people excited about Shang-Chi, part of that comes from who that leading actor is, um, especially because as we saw with Black Panther, as we saw with Captain Marvel, representation resonates. And if you show the Asian American community, hey, we've got an Asian American playing this role. I, they will get excited and you'll start to hear that come up to a fever pitch because frankly, no one really knows anything about Shang-Chi. So you need someone to really like beat the drum for it. Before this announcement, never even heard I, of I imagine you'll see the Eternals cast come out because they have the most names and, and you can have Angelina Jolie and Richard Madden and the rest of them come up on stage. Keanu Reeves because everyone loves Keanu nowadays. Well, he hasn't confirmed. Neither is a uh, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things yet. But this would be the place where you get these confirmations. It would be the place where you confirm it. Um, I would be so much better as Namor. Come on. The one thing that I want to see, and you're gonna roll your eyes at this. I don't give a shit. I want to see Captain Falcon. I want to see the suit. I want to see an image. Give it to me because that's a that's one of my favorite costumes from comics. Is the red, white, and blue Falcon suit. So. Give it to me. I need it. I need it now. Uh, give me Guardians Three stuff. That's what. I, that's all I need. But uh, yeah, I, I, for me, it's it's all about Fantastic Four. Hell, we are, we are not getting Fantastic. I will say that now. There's no. You do. There's no way we're getting the Fantastic Four. There's no way we're going to see it. There's no way. I don't even think they'll tease it. That why? Why would you do it? how long this phase is? If this phase is like five years long. I could see in like sixteen movies. Yeah, I could see them down the road. But it'd be, if it's if this is like eight movies, probably not. Be too soon. And we learned. Uh, we learned with a. Uh, I can't even think about. It. Feige's not going to rush things. Just put it that way. He's not going to rush. Things. So I mean, the only tease I would accept 
And the one that I think <laughs> Feige, they would get so much, they would get shit for it, but they, people would also fucking lose their minds. Is that it's the end of the panel and you have all the Marvel Phase Four actors? Doom walks out. No, no, and you have all of them there on screen and on the screen behind them it says Phase Four, and then the four shifts and it's a Fantastic Four Four, and then people fucking lose their minds. Yeah, give me that. People, guys, people don't—they don't even care about the Fantastic Four. It's just the getting—they know that they got them. You know, I feel like that's what it is. I feel like people just want the announcement more than they actually want the movie. You know. I want the Fantastic Four movie because I I think if they handle it right and I, I don't there's no reason to doubt that Kevin Feige won't because he he will understand what it took to get that that franchise back he will understand that the public will need a reason to see it because they've already seen three bad Fantastic Four movies I know they'll do it right I trust him I don't I don't need I don't even need to see it. I just I just need to know that. He's got it on his mind, and it's John Krasinski. He has Mister Fantastic because that would—that's the only choice. The only choice. Uh, phase four villain, Doctor Doom. Right. No, 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 no. Save Doom. Save Doom. Don't, don't, don't. Do it. How, how long do you want to go? If I just said if Phase four is like five years, you're telling me you want to wait till like 2024 for them to even acknowledge Doctor Doom? Give that, me. You got to start wondering. Okay, guys, how long is this going to last? You know, you don't want to sit on your. Your best villain. You don't want to sit on that fur, but you don't want to watch it either. I get that, no. and I don't have to be a one movie. I think that if you have Doom, you can logically lead into the Beyonder and Secret Wars. Make that Phase Five, Phase Six. Like, don't burn Doom. Don't don't burn him quick. I want okay. the Phase End with Avengers. Secret Wars, Secret Invasion. Everyone, everyone keeps saying Norman Osborn for Facebook. Fine, whatever. I don't give a shit. Make Nor. I don't care about Norman Osborn. Like whatever. There's a lot of stuff that came out about the whole Spider-Man sharing rights that I don't think you're going to see in Norman Osborn. Uh, but that's that's for another show. I don't uh, love to see Norman Osborn. I've seen him twice already, and I don't really care. Mm, mm, okay. All right. <laughs> I don't really care. Give me the Sinister Six, damn it. I want the Sinister Six. I don't care about Hobgoblin and, and Walmart MJ. That's what I don't care about. I got those, didn't I? Um, so what are some things that you are most hoping to see <laughs> at San Diego Comic-Con? I got a couple, but I was going to let you go first if you have anything. Honestly, uh, the first teaser trailer for The Witcher. Uh, I want to see Superman hacking some shit up. Uh, I, don't, I don't, I mean, I, I feel like at this point, if this thing is coming out before the end of this year, it better be longer than like some 30 second teaser. We better get something about this show. And then they are there. They have a panel for this and they have already said that there will be a teaser for, uh, for, uh, for the Witcher to that one. Definitely. And also having a panel there, uh, the expanse, the newly Amazon original, the expanse, I believe they're going, they've already released the poster. I believe they're going to announce when season four drops on Amazon prime and that you're going to be able to watch the entire season right away and that is awesome because this like the 100 is a show that is so much cooler if you binge i mean even as much as i loved the expanse i would let four or five episodes pile up just because every episode was a damn cliffhanger in a good way in a good way so uh that's definitely the two things i'm the most looking forward to besides obviously uh, a possible phase four slate i think for me I know that they have a, a Batman Beyond 20th anniversary and it's mostly going to be fan service. 
I would be cool if there was a, a Batman Beyond project announced of some sort. I don't care if it's animation, another animated movie, whatever, whatever they want to announce. I love the Batman Beyond universe. I would love to see that story continue in some way, shape, or form, especially if it's under the the guide of Bruce Tim, who can do no wrong in my mind. Um, I don't really know what else. I mean, Phase Four it's going to be great because it's Phase Four, and we're going to all get super excited. Um, can't wait to see the the trailer for or whatever imagery they will unleash for Crisis on Infinite Earth. Um, even if it's just a photo of the like the main heroes, I probably freak out about it. Um, the Witcher, I'll be kind of curious to see, just because I, I want to see how what the quality of production is there. I imagine it'll be very high, but we haven't seen it till we haven't seen it. Um, yeah, I mean, really, I mean, Marvel's the show. I 100% Marvel. What they're doing is going to get all the headlines. Saturday afternoon, be glued to Twitter because you're gonna. Just, it's gonna be one thing after another, after another, after another, and it's it's gonna be pretty exciting. And I can't wait to hear the inevitable bitching because people that were in attendance got to see something that we didn't. You know, but you know what, guys? That's they gotta give some benefit. They pay for it. They sure. pay for it. Like, yeah. If you if you wanted to see it, you would have gone and you would stand in the lines and do all that bullshit. They deserve to see it. They deserve to live in it. I don't. I don't care if the, if it takes. 24 hours or whatever. Eventually we will see it, but this is their treat. I mean, I heard going into this weekend that the biggest trailers that we were going to get out of, you know, that were going to be released to the public, not the people in attendance uh, was going to be for it, which we already seen. And the new Terminator movie, which apparently the people were stunned there because the trailer was just behind the scenes footage. That movie's going to be a disaster. You guys Um, don't think that's shocking to anybody. They haven't made a good Terminator movie since 1992. So that's not really surprising to anyone at all. Please die. Please reboot or kill it. That's, that's all. Why, why are we still making Terminator movies? Like, question. Who's asking for Terminator movies out there? I feel like it, it, for a while there, I've been saying, you know, it's still name recognition, but like the last two have made no money. I mean, I don't, I mean, the last one, Genesis, that they were talking about, that was going to be the start of a new trilogy. And it was so bad, they just scrapped that. And now they come out two years later with another one. And you've already got the director like cussing everybody out online. So I mean, you can tell that this is this is it's just not going to go over well. I don't know. I don't know. No one asked for it. And I Terminator one and two are some of my favorite movies ever. And I don't want this. I don't care to see it. No who's, ask, who's asking for these movies though? Like that's what I need to know. Well, they've done really good with this franchise since then. With the TV series they had on Fox for a while, the the Sarah Connor Chronicles, Cersei Lannister. Actually played Sarah Connor, uh, but it was it was that was really good. And they canceled it after like a year and a half because that's what Fox does. You know, they they cancel everything that's actually good, and then they keep shitting shit where they try like to make Gotham. It. Although I, I will say, since we they bring up Gotham, one of their actors got nominated for an Emmy. Fucking kidding me? Uh, oh, hold up, let me pull this up because I I want to get this right because I actually like him and he's been in, in a shit ton of other things. Um. Oh, I'm trying, I'm stretching here. He played Mr. Zazaz. Oh, that? Yeah. Um, shit. No, this is taking forever. But he's been in like every comic book show, like known to man. Um, live action. You know what? You're looking for that. I just want to say that people are telling me I haven't watched it, but this trailer for the film Cats 
is apparently scarier than it. <laughs> so, I, I'll comment that uh, it's a- Anthony Kerrigan. Uh, he played Victor Zazaz on Gotham. He's been in Barry. He's been in The Forgotten. Uh, he's been in The Flash. He's been in Blacklist. Uh, they must have had a hard time filling out the ballot this year. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, he's nominated for, I believe it's Barry. Um, I loves that show. Or he's not in for some, I can't I can't remember, but uh, his reaction on Twitter, he's genuinely surprised and stunned and shocked. And uh, I mean, I think that's just kind of cool that someone can survive the muck that is Gotham. Uh, the cats thing is fucking terrible. Terrible. I don't fucking understand what I'm getting. Not even Idris Elba can save this because this. Oh, it's Idris Elba. Well, then you know it's going to bomb. The only- I, I, I need can- to be. I need to be on acid for this. That's what I need to be on. I need to be on acid, tripping balls because this is a musical. Cats. Thing. Is it based on the musical? Yeah, it's the musical. This is bizarre. It's bizarre. It's, they're all. They all. Why are they like? I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know. It's weird. It's weird. I have so many questions. <laughs> I definitely got to watch this once we're done. Jeez. Uh, hey, but, you know, to the to the Idris Elba people out there, uh, cheer up. He's finally going to have a hit because he's going to ride the Rock's coattails on Hobbs and Shaw. Idris Elba. Man, that looks so good. That really does. <laughs> it looks insane. I'm glad they're just like embracing it. It's basically a superhero movie. I'm glad they're just embracing it. Just might as well. You went from the first one, which was like street races, to like now there's people like punching nuclear missiles and stuff. I mean, it's I mean just you got a- the rock pulling on like a chain attached to a helicopter, and everybody's doing the Captain America thing now. They're they're, they're jealous. They got to get like the big bicep showing, and you know the rock. Rock ain't gonna let anybody out bicep him. Come on. Hey, I watched Skyscraper. You know what? Wasn't that bad. <laughs> rock, man. So if you want to see the rock punching people and shooting people, that's the kind of movie you should be making. Not this Black Adam movie. Oh man, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it. They said that they said that like the the Rock and Shazam. I'm sorry, Black Adam and Shazam won't meet until a potential Shazam three. Oh, that's nonsense. Oh, God, please somebody buy them. Buy. Them. I mean, you hear this thing about like the Birds of Prey movie is Black Mask like trying to get back dick pics or something. That has to be bullshit. That cannot be real. I'm, I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about it. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not. I've already had a rant on this episode. I don't need another rant on this episode. Oh, man. What are you guys doing to my stuff? Jeez. I've been interested in the Black Mask, you know, just having Black Mask on screen for a long time. Now I'm just like, shit. Hopefully uh, see, I'm not because the Arkham games, like, I'm like, cool, he's a gangster. I don't really care. Well, at this point, it's like, might as well just have him take his mask off. And, oh, my gosh, Jason Todd. You know, something stupid like that. I mean, it's like, it's clear they haven't read any of this stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I think that's about it. Guys, we'll always remember this episode. It's the one where Danny actually like grabbed his camera and shook it while he was talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> so thanks for joining me, buddy. And uh, we will talk watch, to you later. Watch the 100, people. Just do it. Watch Last Kingdom, people. Do it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Just wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or YouTube, or all of them. Also, be sure to check out our affiliate, Geek Vibes Nation, at gvnation.com, where you can find some of the other features on the channel, like Mike's book reviews, the Geeks Against the Grain podcast, and lots of thoughts and opinions about geek pop culture. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you next week.